0: King Lear by William Shakespeare Act 1, Scene 1 King Lear's Palace Enter Kent, Gloucester, and Edmund. I thought the king had more affected the Duke of Albany than Cornwall. It always seemed so to us But now in the division of the kingdom It appears not which of the dukes he values most For equalities are so weighed That curiosity in neither Can make choice of either's moiety Is not this your son, my lord? His breeding, sir, hath been at my charge I have so often blushed to acknowledge him That now I am braised to it cannot conceive you. Sir, this young fellow's mother could, whereupon she grew round-wombed, and had indeed, sir, a son for her cradle, ere she had a husband for her bed. Do you smell a fault? I cannot wish the fault undone, the issue of it being so proper. "'But I have, sir, a son by order of law, "'some year elder than this, "'who yet is no dearer in my account. "'Though this knave came something saucily into the world "'before he was sent for, yet was his mother fair. "'There was good sport at his making, "'and the horse must be acknowledged. "'Do you know this noble gentleman Edmund?' "'No, my lord.' My lord of Kent, remember him hereafter as my honourable friend. My services to your lordship. I must love you and sue to know you better. Sir, I shall study deserving. He hath been out nine years, and away he shall again. Oh, the king is coming! Enter King Lear, Cornwall, Albany, Goneril, Regan, and Cordelia. Attend the lords of France and Burgundy, Gloucester. I shall, my liege. Exit Gloucester and Edmund. Meantime, we shall express our darker purpose. Give me the map there. Know that we have divided in three our kingdom, and tis our fast intent to shake all cares and business from our age, conferring them on younger strengths, while we unburthened crawl toward death. Our son of Cornwall, and you our no less loving son of Albany, we have this hour a constant will to publish our daughter's several dowers, that future strife may be prevented now. The princes, France and Burgundy, great rivals in our youngest daughter's love, long in our court have made their amorous sojourn, and here are to be answered. Tell me, my daughters, since now we will divest us both of rule, interest of territory, cares of state, which of you shall we say doth love us most?' That we, our largest bounty, may extend where nature doth with merit challenge. Goneril, our eldest born, speak first. Sir, I love you more than words can wield the matter. Dearer than eyesight, space, and liberty. Beyond what can be valued, rich or rare, no less than life. With grace, health, beauty, honor, as much as child e'er loved, or father found, a love that makes breath poor and speech unable, beyond all manner of so much I love you. What shall Cordelia do? Love and be silent. Of all these bounds, even from this line to this, with shadowy forests and with champagnes riched with plenteous rivers and wide-skirted meads, we make thee, lady, to thine and Albany's issue be this perpetual. What says our second daughter, our dearest Regan, wife to Cornwall? Speak. Uh, Sir, I am made of the selfsame metal that my sister is, And prize me at her worth. In my true heart, I find she names my very deed of love. Only she comes too short. That I profess myself an enemy to all other joys, Which the most precious square of sense possesses, And find I am alone. Felicitate in your dear highness's love. Than poor Cordelia, and yet not so, since I am sure my love's more richer than my tongue. To thee and thine hereditary ever remain this ample third of our fair kingdom, no less in space, validity, and pleasure than that conferred on goneril. Now, our joy, although the last, not least, to whose young love the vines of France and milk of Burgundy strive to be interest. What can you say to draw a third more opulent than your sisters? Speak. Nothing, my lord. (laughs) Nothing? Nothing. Nothing will come of nothing. Speak again. Unhappy that I am, I cannot heave my heart into my mouth. I love your majesty according to my bond, nor more, nor less. How, how, Cordelia, mend your speech a little, lest it may mar your fortunes good my lord. You have begot me, bred me, loved me. I return those duties back as are right fit, obey you, love you, and most honor you. Why have my sister's husbands, if they say they love you all, Happily, when I shall wed, that Lord whose hand must take my plight shall carry half my love with him, half my care and duty. Sure, I shall never marry like my sisters, to love my father all. But goes thy heart with this, I good my Lord, so young and so untender, so young my Lord, and true let it be so thy truth then be thy dower for by the sacred radiance of the sun the mysteries of hecate and the night by all the operation of the orbs for whom we do exist and cease to be here i disclaim all my paternal care propinquity and property of blood and as a stranger to my heart and me, hold thee from this forever. The barbarous Scythian, or he that makes his generation messes to gorge his appetite, shall to my bosom be as well-neighbored, pitied, and relieved as thou, my sometime daughter. Good, my liege, peace, Kent, come not between the dragon and his wrath. I loved her most and thought to set my rest on her kind nursery. Hence, and avoid my sight. So be my grave, my peace, as here I give her father's heart from her. Call France, who stirs, call Burgundy. Cornwall and Albany, with my two daughters' dowers, digest this third. Let pride, which she calls plainness, marry her. I do invest you jointly with my power, preeminence in all the large effects that troop with majesty. Ourself, by monthly course, with reservation of an hundred knights, by you to be sustained, shall our abode make with you by due turns. Only we still retain the name and all the additions to a king. The sway, revenue, execution of the rest, beloved sons, be yours. Which, to confirm, this coronet... "'Part betwixt you. "'Royal Lear, whom I have honoured as my king, "'loved as my father, as my master followed, "'as my great patron thought on in my prayers, "'the bow is bent in drawn, make from the shaft. "'Let it fall rather, though the fork "'invade the region of my heart. "'Be Kent unmannerly when Lear is mad. "'What wilt thou do, old man?' Think'st thou that duty shall have dread to speak, When power to flattery bows? To plainness honours bound, When majesty stoops to folly. Reverse thy doom, and in thy best consideration Check thy hideous rashness. Answer my life, my judgment. Thy youngest daughter does not love thee least nor are these empty-hearted whose low sound reverbs no hollowness. Kent, on thy life, no more. My life I never held but as a pawn to wage against thy enemies, nor fear to lose it, thy safety being the motive. Out of my sight. See better, Lear, and let me still remain the true blank of thine eye. Now by Apollo, now by Apollo, king, thou swear'st thy gods in vain. O vassal miscreant! Dear sir, forbear! Do kill thy physician, and the fee bestow upon thy foul disease. Revoke thy doom or whilst I can vent clamour from my throat, I'll tell thee thou dost evil. Hear me, recreant. On thine allegiance, hear me. Since thou hast sought to make us break our vow, which we durst never yet, and with strained pride to come between our sentence and our power, which nor our nature nor our place can bear, our potency made good, Take thy reward. Five days we do allot thee for provision to shield thee from diseases of the world, and on the sixth to turn thy hated back upon our kingdom. If, on the tenth day following, thy banished trunk be found in our dominions, the moment is thy Death away by Jupiter, this shall not be revoked. Fare thee well, King. Sith thus thou wilt appear, freedom lives hence, and banishment is here, the gods. To their dear shelter take thee, maid, That justly think'st, And hast most rightly said. And your large speeches, May your deeds approve That good effects may spring From words of love. Thus, Kent, O princes, Bids you all Adieu. He'll shape his old course in a country new. Exit Kent. A flourish. Re-enter Gloucester with King of France, Burgundy, and attendants. Here's France and Burgundy, my noble lord. My lord of Burgundy, we first address towards you, who with this king hath rivaled for our... Daughter, what in the least will you require in present hour with her, or cease your quest of love? Most royal majesty, I crave no more than what your highness offered, nor will you tender less. <laughs> right, noble Burgundy, when she was dear to us, we did hold her so, but now her price is fallen. Sir, there she stands, if aught within that little seeming substance, or all of it, with our displeasure pieced, and nothing more, may fitly like your grace, she's there, and she is yours. I, (laughs) I know no answer. Will you, with those infirmities she owes, unfriended, new adopted to our hate, dowered with our curse, and strangered with our oath, take her or leave her? Uh, Pardon me, royal sir. Election makes not up on such conditions. Then leave her, sir. For by the power that made thee, I tell you all her wealth for you great France, I would not from your love make such a stray to match you where I hate, therefore beseech you to avert your liking a more worthier way than on a wretch whom nature is ashamed almost to acknowledge hers. This is most strange that she, that even but now was your best object, the argument of your praise, a balm of your age, most best, most dearest, should in this trice of time commit a thing so monstrous to dismantle so many folds of favour? Sure, her offence must be of such unnatural degree that monsters it, or your fore-vouched affection fall into taint, uh, which to believe of her must be a faith that reason without miracle could never plant in me. I yet beseech your majesty, if, for I want that glib and oily art to speak and purpose not, since what I well intend, I'll do before I speak, that you make known it is no vicious blot, murder, or foulness, no unchaste action or dishonoured step that hath deprived me of your grace and favour, but even for want of that for which I am richer, a still soliciting I in such a tongue as I am glad I have not, though not to have it, hath lost me in your liking. Better thou hadst not been born than not to have pleased me better. It is but this. Hardiness in nature, which often leaves the history unspoke, that it tends to do. My Lord of Burgundy, what says you to the lady? Love's not love when it is mingled with regards that stand aloof from the entire point. Will you have her? She is herself a dowry royal Lear, given but that portion which yourself proposed, and here I take Cordelia by the hand, Duchess of Burgundy. Nothing. I have sworn I am firm. <laughs> I am sorry, then. You have so lost a father that you must lose a husband. Peace be with Burgundy since that respects of fortune are his love, I shall not be his wife. Fairest Cordelia, that art most rich, being poor, most choice, forsaken, and most loved, despised, thee and thy virtues here I seize upon. Be it lawful I take up what's cast away, Gods, gods, tis strange that from their coldest neglect my love should kindle to inflamed respect. Thy dowerless daughter, king, thrown to my chance, is queen of us, of ours and our fair friends. Not all the dukes of waterish Burgundy can buy this unprized, precious maid of me. Bid them farewell, Cordelia. Though unkind, thou losest here a better where to find. Ha! Thou hast her, France. Let her be thine, for we have no such daughter, nor shall ever see that face of hers again. Therefore be gone, without our grace, our love, our benison. Come, noble Burgundy. Exit all but King of France, Gondon, Ravine, and Cordelia. Bid farewell to your sisters. The jewels of our father with washed eyes, Cordelia leaves you. I know you what you are and, like a sister, am most loath to call your faults, as they are named. Use well our father. To your professed bosoms I commit him. But yet, alas, stood I within his grace, I would prefer him to a better place. So, Farewell to you both. Prescribe not us our duties. Let your study be to content your lord who have received you at fortune's alms. You have obedience scanted and well are worth the want that you have wanted. Time shall unfold what plated cunning hides. Who cover faults At last shame them derides. Well, may you prosper. Come, my fair Cordelia. Exit King of France and Cordelia. Sister, it is not a little, I have to say, of what most nearly appertains to us both. I think our father will hence tonight, that's most certain, and with you, next month with us. You see how well full of changes his age is, the observation we have made of it hath not been little. He always loved our sister most, and with what poor judgment he hath now cast her off appears too grossly. "'Tis the infirmity of his age, yet he hath ever but slenderly known himself. "'The best and soundest of his time hath been but rash. "'Then must we look to receive from his age not alone the imperfections of long and condition, "'but therewithal the unruly waywardness that infirm and choleric years bring with them.' Such inconstant starts are we like to have from him as this of Kent's banishment. There is further compliment of leave-taking between France and him. Pray you, let's hit together. If our father carry authority with such dispositions as he bears, this last surrender of his will but offend us. We shall further think on't. We must do something, and in the heat.